0: This episode was brought to you by our Patreon supporters, long-time supporters like Greg and Pearl Morgan, Amy Swan, Greg Bench, Joe Robertson, and Dan George, and new patrons like Kate Lamb, Andred, and Carl Davis, Are the people who make this podcast possible. Stick around for an extended shout-out at the end, and now on to the episode. Welcome
1: to another episode of Father and Son Watch Horror Movies. I am your co-host, the father, a.k.a. Pastor Matt, and I am joined, as always, by my trusty sidekick,
0: Jackson the son, and I'm ready to talk about my de facto excuse as to why I'm not a car guy. <laughs>
2: fair
0: enough. Fair you're enough. you're not a beach guy, I'm not a car guy, and we both have our reasons. Uh,
1: fair enough. I think mine is more, you know, anchored in reality, but okay. Okay. Um, <sighs> I've never had a demon possessed car. I've had crappy ones, but not necessarily demon possessed. And and so tonight, yes, we are talking about the. And Jackson knows how much I love anniversaries, right, Jackson? Mm-hmm. And it is the 40th anniversary of John Carpenter's movie Christine, his adaptation of the Stephen King novel, which came out in 1983, and it follows the exploits of young Arnie, played by Keith Gordon, who buys a Plymouth Fury and uh, soon discovers it's a bit jealous and possessive, like every nightmare girlfriend we've had. So, <coughs> excuse me, and I will apologize ahead of time because I am a little bit under the weather, but to do this right, and I knew we had to have him when I was listening to Land of the Creeps, and um, the man, the myth, the legend Greg from Ohio, the man whose last name has become a proud term over Atlanta, the Creeps. So when he talked about this movie, I knew we need to have him on in order to tackle this correctly. Greg, how are you doing, buddy?
3: Well, thank you for having me on. I cannot hide my enthusiasm. I've been waiting to talk about this movie
1: for so long, and I'm glad that I got to talk with you two about it. Well, let's just jump right into it. So, Greg, when did you first see Christine? Oh, gosh, I don't. Whenever it would have been on cable.
3: So, 84, 85, whenever it would have been available. Just always, I I, I didn't really grow up in a car family, but my uncles have a towing and garage. So, they were always into cars, and they had classic cars and various automobiles. So, I was one to latch on for family reasons with these really cool cars.
1: And so you like the Plymouth Fury when, what year is this? It's 58? It was 57, 58. It's a 58. Um, and I mean,
3: just, just to touch on a little bit of the history of the Plymouth Fury, I guess, right out of the gate. Um, none of the cars inside the movie are actually Furies. They're, they're either. A, what? Yeah. They're either a Belvedere, which was also made by Plymouth or a Savoy, which was, I think Dodge. Um, and the reason why is because there was only about 5,300 total Furies ever produced for 1958.
1: So I, I feel like I've been lied to, Greg. I feel I like know. the American people after Watergate, Monica Lewinsky, what's going on? So
3: if any of them were a, a Fury, they would have been from 57, which are identical to 58, except for the headlights and a few trim packages. Plus... The, the Fury was only offered in one color in 1958. There was no alternative colors. And sadly, the, if that would have been a special paint job, it wouldn't have been provided by Plymouth because they didn't trust in the Fury product at that time. That's why there was such a low production number. And they were only offered in two door and they were only offered in buckskin. Beige was the name of the color
1: buckskin
3: beige i know it's an off-white it's kind of like a, an ivory color
1: oh man
3: and i've seen one of those a, a, as interesting as it is i have seen a, a fury in my in my life and it was the the still the original color and not uh, uh, the red and white that we have so grown to love Oh
2: wow. I know, man. I
3: know all kinds of little facts and um they never talk about the the uh, another thing that was always kind of interesting is they'd never show the gear stick, you know, the gear shift or anything like that mm-hmm. because uh they weren't there because they were push button transmissions.
1: I did not know any of this. So Yeah, that's why
3: uh, you, that's why you got me in and I was all excited to talk about it. That's why we have and, you. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm 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 obviously eager to talk about it but in the opening we can start with the opening because we hear the great yep the great um oh my gosh name george the, Third george Third. Third. <laughs> yes and the destroyers <laughs> and the from wilmington delaware yep yeah. yep and and it goes right into the factory all the cars that we see in the factory at that moment will all become christine clones so that was all the cars they had for the movie are all in the wow. opening. They. It's not that they weren't Furies. They just weren't Furies. They weren't the actual <laughs> 1958 Fury. Um, they may have been 57 Furies, but most of them, from my understanding, were Belvederes. And only out of... I should have looked at the number. I want to say there was like 14 or 15 total cars, or maybe it was 14 and 15 were absolutely destroyed. Um, Only theoretically three survived. One was a giveaway car. One was with the production company, like uh, the, the, the um, movie company. And then, Mm -hmm. and then one was pieced together. And everybody always talks about the, the gentleman that drives the Christine car. And that, that guy got a hold of the junkyard, figured out where it was and, and got a whole bunch of pieces. Wow. So that's the All actual right. Christine is his
1: man. Greg bringing it. All right. Trying, Jackson, did you, <laughs> you're bringing it, buddy Jackson. When did you first see Christine?
0: Well, uh, I don't know when I first saw Christine, I first reviewed it uh, about two years ago and I think I was a little higher on it back then, but I still stand by my statement that it's, it's one of Stephen King's tightest adaptations because you know, it retains that slice-of-life, kind of small-town feeling of the book while not getting too lost in the details. Um, and it's it's a great adapted screenplay from Bill Phillips, who I tried to look into, but uh, it seems like Christine is kind of his crowning achievement based on uh, the rest of his filmography. But a great trim job. I mean, the book is 526 pages long, and the movie is less than two hours, and it doesn't feel rushed. So a really great job with the adapted screenplay um but it it, it, i agree it it basically flies through the plot when you compare it to the book but it still has that like building moody kind of plotting feel to it um so
1: well it it has
0: to, to bill phillips
1: yeah and i first saw this on cable back in the day but um i probably 84 85 somewhere around there but i um I agree with you, Jax. I think it's a great adaptation and I I apologize to our listeners for one of my wife's demon-possessed puppies barking <laughs> in the background, but that's what they do when I'm not around them. Um the it, there's a lot of changes from the book. Mhm. Um, that's like, what I was going to ask you about because I haven't read it. Yeah, I've read it. I mean, so for example, the garage owner um uh, played by, I believe, the great Robert Prosky, I believe, um, who people will know from just all kinds of... He's a great character <laughs> actor. He's actually, in the book, killed in his home. Christine runs through the middle of his house. Mm-hmm. And so... Gremlins, yeah, it, it, Gremlin style. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, also, a throwback to the movie The Car from the 1970s. Um, <laughs> do you remember that one, Greg? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the car mows down somebody in their living room. Um, that's why I've always had elevated steps in, in my house, but uh, no, I saw this in cable and I will just go ahead and, and, and say it outright. I think this is behind Halloween and the thing, maybe escape from New York,
0: John Carpenter's best movie. Hmm. What do you guys think? Yeah. Greg, you're going to have to take this one. i I could talk all day about this.
3: Well, yeah. I mean, i'm i'm i guess i'm biased because yes it would be halloween the thing and then christine for me for um john carpenter um he's you know you have to look at his his vision here was he's just coming off of the thing which was sadly a flop which is still a mystery to all horror fans because everybody well not everybody but a majority love the thing
1: and a a critical flop too And yeah, you're right. We look at that now and go, what? But then, so Siskel and Ebert trash the thing and they give two thumbs up to Christine.
0: Yep. And Jackson, did you know that? I did not, but it makes sense. I mean, uh, Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert were men that were full of contradictions. I think that's been proven time and time again. And, you know, as much as uh, Ebert liked to... uh, you know, act like he didn't have a bias towards horror. It was really strange—the ones that he sided with and the ones that he trashed. Um, so, yeah, definitely an odd choice. I mean, you were saying that you think maybe besides *Escape from New York*, this is John Carpenter's best film. But I, you know, I think a lot of people would like this movie, but they wouldn't say that this is better than *The Thing*. So that's a that's a that's a pretty pretty hot take coming in there. With from uh, no, I said I I would say if I were ranking them, it would go
1: *Halloween* one. Okay, so Halloween 1978, I would say, is his best. The Thing is two. And then it's a close race for third between Escape from New York and Christine. Wow. Okay. I I, I mean, I, I I can agree with that. But yet, you know, when
3: you look at his filmography, it is like a lot of it is in the top tier of however you would rank them. Seven, eights, nines, even some tens, depending on what your flavor of the week is um and that's the beauty of of John Carpenter um is that most of his middle to early early work is just all it's just one hit after another the fog yeah. you know uh, oh the fog i love the fog you know prince of, I love. Prince of darkness and i
1: have problems with prince of darkness well, that i do i don't hate it and and i don't hate jackson hates this i don't I don't love Big Trouble in Little China, but I don't hate it either. I like it. I'll watch it. I enjoy it, and I enjoy Starman and In the Mouth of Madness and so forth. There are only a few movies by John Carpenter, I think, are truly hot garbage, uh, beginning with Ghosts of (laughs) Mars.
0: If you're – listen, in my opinion, I – I think his run from 74 with Dark Star to 88 with They Live was perfect. I know dad, I know you qualified a little further with you 78. You had to, to bring up Dark Star. I would start with a on Precinct love it. 13. I love Dark Star. Go, let's go go uh, listen to our episode on Phantom Galaxy if you haven't already with Dark Star and Ice Pirates. Uh, <laughs> to hear to hear a real a, a real 3 against 1. Whoever thought uh, that
1: Ice Pirates a movie about a spaceship with herpes, <laughs> was a better movie than a John Carpenter movie, but I, I will not. maintain that it is. But anyway, back to Christine, but but Hey, I, I think, you
0: know, you can say whatever you will about dark star, but at the very least, I think discounting big trouble and they live is, is criminal in my opinion. But, and it, and then, you know, in the mouth of madness was a great return to form after memoirs. And I have a I, certain level of appreciation for vampires. His,
1: his segment um, in, body, in bags, body bags, I think is brilliant. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, but I know, I think Christine is underrated. I don't think it gets talked enough about, I I know that we can, we can make fun of the fact that like, you know, buddy Reperton doesn't think to, you know, run and, um, just run in a straight line, which is, you know, when he's being chased by a (laughs) car on fire. I understand all that, but you have to admit it looks really cool. I understand there are some plot, but in my opinion, there are a couple of things that I want to point out before I start a coughing fit or whatever. And you guys just chime in, <laughs> you know, there are two parts of this movie other than the score, which we'll mention later that I think are absolutely incredible. One is, I think it has one of John Carpenter's best scenes that he ever filmed, hmm. which is when he, when Arnie says, show me. Agreed. I love that scene. I think it's one of the, greatest scenes John Carpenter ever filmed and before I go on mute start a coughing fit because I'm nursing water here lemon water um I also think Keith Gordon who I've 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 liked in everything he's done I liked him in Jaws 2 I liked him in Dress to Kill I liked him in Back to School but this performance I believe is a step above what do you guys think
0: yeah I'm right there with you Greg uh talk I don't know uh what you're, where you are on on Keith Gordon. I don't know much about him. It seems that he's mostly uh on you know he's been a bit a bit player but also a director for TV movies it seems. Um but he is just uh a revelation in this movie. So if you want to talk about Keith Gordon go for it.
3: Yeah, sure. I mean the character of Arnie um he had a I I feel he had a lot of weight on his shoulders because you know it's not like in the book where you can describe what's going on he has to show this on the screen. And so this transformation that, you know, Keith Gordon has with his Arnie character is, I thought, I think very good. He plays the, the super nerd yeah. very well in the beginning. And I mean, obviously the big change from the book is that he's a, uh, he's a, he's also a pimply little monster too. Um, and his acne clears up, but as the book also deviates, um, He also starts to emulate Roland D. LeBay with the, with the arch in the back. And um, he gets this gravelly voice where in the movie we're getting Keith Gordon playing the nerd who ultimately turns into a a, a cool guy and his outfit changes his whole way of, uh, of talking his mannerisms, how he holds himself in front of the camera. Um, And you know, I, I, I did kind of cheat, I guess. And I did listen to the commentary with Keith Gordon and, and John Carpenter. And what's neat is John Carpenter kind of gave Keith Gordon a lot of free reign when it came to like his outfits and why he chose certain things. And, you know, they coordinated this outfit with the costume designer of especially towards the end where he has that black vest and, you know, cause it's just this level of, of cool so I, I think that he's top notch uh, as Arnie. He he. It's probably my favorite performance by him. Uh, Jaws two's a, a fun one. He's really a great in
1: Dress to Kill and Back to School. Like what what more can I say? I don't know. Well, he just I think he gives an under. I just don't hear a lot about his performance, and I think it's an underrated performance because he really sells the whole thing. Of he has a possessed car. And seems to be coming possessed himself. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah.
3: And I mean, being opposed to Dean Stockwell, the eye candy for the girls, and, you know, Alexandra Paul as his love interest, I mean, he holds his own with both of them. So, I mean...
1: Also with, like, Robert Prosky and Harry Dean oh, Stanley, and Harry are Dean are great, Stanton. Yeah. great character actors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jackson, what did you think of Keith Gordon's performance, especially holding up... Because, you know, cause, you know he, he had bit parts here and there, but now he's up against these veteran character actors like Dean Stockwell and and Robert Prosky.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's incredible in this movie, and uh, it is one of those kind of show-stealing performances from somebody that you don't hear a lot of people talking about. Um, and I do, I do love his turn. I love movies like this where we just see a character kind of spiral out of control, like whatever form that might take. Even a movie like Saint Maud, you know what I mean? And you might think that's a weird comparison to make, uh, Christine to Saint Maud, but I see it. I think there are parallels. No, I see it. Um, but yeah, it's just it's it's a it's a great performance. Uh, that scene where he's driving down the road uh, and he has Dennis in the car with him. And uh you just see the crazy in his eyes come out, and he lets Christine drive herself. just that is just a harrowing scene, uh, and it really all rests on his performance uh, because there's there's you know it's it's mostly down to just him, his uh diatribe, his monologue, and the sound of the car on on the uh, on the highway, and that's that's pretty much uh all you hear. So a great performance from him, but also, yeah, you talked about Harry Dean Stanton. He's up there with Dick Miller for me as far as like, uh, oh, that guy's an everything kind of character actor. Like Every movie he's in is better for it. Um, just, just a, a great uh, uh, icon of the genre. But yeah, just a, just a uh, completely stacked cast overall. You talked about John Stockwell as Dennis. Uh, he's fantastic. Um, Alexander Paul. Um, yeah just a just a great cast, a small cast, but it gives you that kind of small town vibe to it and whenever somebody dies, like even the school bully, it really does feel like a big chunk has been taken out of the movie uh because you know that's it's it's how a small town would really be, even a, a death of somebody you don't care for or know that well would would send big ripples through the community, so it's that kind of feeling to it but yeah just a just an incredible incredible cast uh with a great screenplay, like I said before. And, a question, Dad, I had for you because, again, I haven't read the book. So it seems like from – I read an interview uh, with Stephen King uh, that in the book it's implied that Christine's previous owner is the one possessing the car, yeah. and it's not Christine itself. So when Arnie starts to uh, become bad, he kind of takes on uh, elements of uh, of the Christine's previous owner. Greg, you touched on that. He starts to act like Christine's previous owner. Um, is that something that you think uh, should have been adapted, or do you prefer this way, where it's I, I Christine is it, just pure evil?
1: I prefer it this way. I, I I like the book, but I think the book is a bit convoluted, mm, and yeah. I think John Carpenter, you know, and the screenwriter producers, I think they did a good job of kind of slimming it down and just giving us uh, what is it ninety, a hundred minute just you know, straight ahead horror movie with good performances Mm -hmm. and a good score. And I think it's better for not going into all that backstory. I think we just, the way John Carpenter introduces it in the opening scene where Christine is, you know, right off the assembly line, but apparently already possessed and kills a guy for dropping ashes on her.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: I, I think that's a better approach. What do you think, Greg? yeah
3: I uh, I actually reread the book in preparation for this and it's wow and it's not that it's like it's not that it's clunky but they really John carpenter is the wizard and and the the person that did the screenplay they condensed it in all the right places they they fit it retrofit it where it needed to be and I I I just don't see how they could have made it like exactly like the book like you said without it being a mini series Mm. because you know there's a lot of like little subtle things that changes like the the fight with the bullies is completely different very similar but it actually happens later versus before he gets the car Mm. He get it actually happens after he gets the car and then when they crush the car it's actually at the airport just outside of pittsburgh so now you're having this logistical change of location where it's completely outside of where all the action's taking Right. versus they really condensed it with, Hey, instead of having everything happen outside of Darnell's let's have everything happen inside Darnell's. So like what the father said, uh, Matt, he said that Darnell gets killed in his house. Yeah. Well, why not just have him get killed in the garage? Mm -hmm. in a different manner but still a very effective and i think everything that was done with the car and the deaths are all different variations of how a car could kill you (laughs) as weird as it sounds but um and you know they did just talk about the movie uh lotc did in their 1983 and i was blowing up at my radio (laughs) radio listening because yes there's viable answers about why wouldn't you just run away from that car we're not talking about any car we're not talking about any driver you know this is the car has immediate response so even if you were to duck out of christine's way she's an unstoppable force she'll come and get you Mm -hmm. so yeah running down the middle of the road with a car on fire I don't know what I would be thinking either, but he gets ran over.
0: Yeah, that's and that's, you know, Greg, you got me thinking, first of all, I commend you for for reading the book and and preparation that that's some serious homework. Um, But uh, I definitely need to read Christie myself. It's one of the few, I think, essentials uh, from King I haven't gotten around to yet. It it goes
1: to the point real quick um, while I still have a voice and my dogs are being quiet for a second. When when like when Christine kills Moochie, you're yeah. right, Greg. I mean, it's going to get to him no matter what. Oh, yeah. Right? When Moochie's backed into that alley and it just destroys itself almost to get to him, it's going to go after him. But the second thing is, I also see this kind of like The Shining. I know Stephen King... Um, by the way, anybody out there want puppies to adopt, um, Stanley Kubrick, you know, get a lot of crap from Stephen King and he thought Mick Garris' miniseries for The Shining was better. I don't like Mick Garris' The Shining, really. And I do like the book, but I think the movie is better because it trimmed that down. And there's a little bit of mystery and Jack Nicholson is just menacing from the beginning, really, in the car drive. And Christine is uh, also, and I think it works better. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And let's, I mean, another thing that, that Greg was talking about is, uh, you know, combining things, uh, from the book and trimming things down. And, and, you know, dad, earlier you were talking about how, uh, Carpenter likes to do this thing where he, you know, it's, it's, it's like that, that the Michael Myers thing, right? We don't need a backstory for Christine. All we need to know is right from that, that opening scene, she's evil. She can kill, she will kill, and she's out on the loose. And that's, you know, that's all we need to know. We don't need to know about her previous owner and what kind of freaky cult stuff he was doing or whatever. I'm just reading between the lines. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just a really genius way of of combining things. And say what you will about adaptations like uh, like The Stand or whatever, and that was a miniseries um, or it, which was also a two two uh, part event. But that those are still adapting over a thousand page books. And to do that, they can bind people and events. Right. And then that's, that's a common thing that, that happens when uh, you're adapting a lengthy thing. I know Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings movies did that. Um, but it's just a, a really uh, efficient script here. Again, done by Bill Phillips, uh, who I'm also, I don't know how this guy like came into contact with John Carpenter because reading the backstory, it just says, and, Bill Phillips was John Carpenter's first choice to write the script for Christine. And I'm like, who is Bill Phillips? And he had only done like unrelated, like crime movies. It seems like it's a very strange, uh, I I guess they were buddies. I don't know, but, um, just the way this all came together is. People always
1: ask me when, you know, when you lived in Hollywood, did you, you know, because I only tell Hollywood stories basically, you know, on these podcasts and people will send me messages and, well, did you ever meet, you know, this person, that person, like no, I never met. Did you ever meet John Carpenter? No, I never met John Carpenter. And now I know why. Um, and because now I read all these interviews where after the thing, John Carpenter, if he wasn't on a film set, was playing video games, drinking beer, and chain smoking, <laughs> or watching basketball on TV. And that's basically all he does. So maybe Bill Phillips was just like to play, you know, watch the Lakers games with with uh, John yeah. Carpenter, and he'd bring over a twelve pack of beer. <laughs>
0: And he's like, Yeah, I bet this guy could write the Christine script. I'll I'll give it to one of my buddies. Yeah, that does seem like what happened. And by the way, just one of the coolest filmmakers ever. Like he did his masterpieces and now he just plays video games all day, smokes weed, and eventually, you know, sometimes ventures out of the house to score a new Halloween movie, which is just like what a life. He's deserved it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think that is actually, we've, we've, we've decoded it. That is what happened. Bill Phillips I think was his, you may be his right. Lakers buddy.
1: <laughs> I think you may be right. I, I will say this though. I have mixed feelings about the supporting cast. I don't think Alexander Paul is that good. I don't think John Stockwell mm-hmm. is that good. I think they're, I don't think they're bad. Don't get me wrong. And of course, Kelly Preston is in this, yes. the late, great mm-hmm. Kelly Preston. Um, But, you know, I do think that Harry Dean Stanton and Bill Prosky are really strong in their supporting roles as Darnell and the detective. You know, I've heard some complaints Harry Dean Stanton wasn't given enough because he's such a strong actor. Robert Prosky wasn't given enough because he's such a good actor, but... I don't think the supporting cast is, is bad. And there are a few standouts in there. What do you guys think?
3: Yeah. I I mean, I agree. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Dean Stockton is not at his prime here. He's not, he's, you know, he, he, he fit the, he fit the bill. He looked, he looked the part. And I, I do, I do agree with you, Matt, that his, his portrayal is a little weaker. Um, and then some of the other, uh, You know, like Kelly Preston, this is one of her first movies. And, you know, for her to distract the boys away from ours, you know, she's trying to distract the boys away from Alexander, Paul's character, Alexandra, sorry. You know, she's, it's just really interesting on how deflated she gets when, when he bypasses her looks right past her in the library
1: yeah. I, I I would not have ignored Kelly no when neither I have I, but that's that's
3: just me that's just me I am right
1: there. I don't you. think it's just you buddy I don't <laughs> I don't think anybody would have ignored I don't think there's a there's a uh, straight whatever it is you know 1983 you would have ignored Kelly Preston or or the 70s or, or whenever I, she was just always gorgeous.
3: Um, of course, I keep calling him Dean Stockton and John Stockwell. I'm sorry, it's John Stock. That's okay. I, I trust uh, me,
1: trust me, you're, you're not at my age so, yet. So, yeah. Greg. When you get there, it'll happen more and more often. I just never thought Alexandria Paul is a really strong actress, and I think Kelly Preston is a stronger actress. So that kind of confused no. me as to why Carpenter went that direction, especially when. You've got. I, I even thought the guy who played Buddy Reperton was pretty good, and I don't know if you recognized. Yeah. Um, Steve Tash, who plays one of the gang. Oh yeah. He's the guy who gets screwed over by and Bill Murray in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of wavy lines. Ooh, no, sorry. <laughs> the best, yeah, one of the best parts of the
3: movie, but in my in my opinion, but oh, I but you, agree, also I have, you also have you also have Roberts Blossom who played LeBay. Oh, and he's, always, and he's fantastic. always fantastic. That guy
1: didn't get even get to movies till like the seventies, yeah. and then he got. There's a horror movie called Deranged, where he's playing basically, you know, a version of a serial killer uh, from Wisconsin. What's his name? Ed Gein, and he is incredibly creepy, and he's really strong in this too. But Carpenter's always had a gift for that, right? Mm-hmm. Like whether it's Donald Pleasance or you know that kind of thing of of picking out supporting actors. So Jackson is that a lesson to be learned as an aspiring filmmaker?
0: I guess so. Yeah, I don't think I'll get quite so lucky as as nabbing Donald Pleasants for my one of my first features. Um, but uh, but yeah, this is you know I don't have the the same knowledge of of these uh, supporting actors' deep cuts from their filmography and such. But I was I don't I don't uh, I I think that. John Stockwell did a good job in his role. He's kind of doing that just the '80s teen thing, you know. It's not nothing special, but I think he's doing a good job. I also thought Alexander Paul was doing a fine job. I didn't have any issues with the cast, but uh, but yeah, the, it's it's really all about Arnie and Christine, right? That is the the core relationship mm-hmm. uh, at the. I guess you could argue it's also Arnie and Dennis, you know, friendship. Well, their friendship yeah. went out over the romance of him and Christine. It's kind it's of the love
3: triangle. Yeah, so you have. You have Christine and Arnie, Arnie and Dennis, and then how Dennis is opposed to Christine, how he can't stand Christine. It's
0: a it's a love triangle with two between two guys in a car. Yes, what a what a world! But that is that is literally what's happening in the movie. Well, so. as, as a minister, I have seen
1: that happen, <laughs> not in a physical way, but I have seen I have. I have seen women like how much time are you going to spend on that blankety blank car? <laughs> so let's talk about um we mentioned you know we've talked about arnie and the performances and the screenplay um and and we and yeah it's easy to poke fun at the buddy repperton not realizing that you know you need to run and it's kind of a zigzag pattern um even though to be fair how fast can a plymouth fury go compared to a human Mm -hmm. being um sooner or later it's like a you know it's gonna it's gonna catch up to you right um it's like trying to outrun a leopard or a cheetah or something i mean eventually it's gonna get you but um what did you think of the kills here greg let's start with you what did you think of the kills uh in, uh in the movie i i i dig them all
3: <laughs> you never want to sit there and say yeah i like the kills but they're all in in their own fashion deserved for all the individuals that do it's when somebody crosses christine right so it starts with the guy that sticks his hand inside christine unwelcomed and the hood lashes on his hand right then you have the gentleman that's like hey i want to check her out and he sits on there and ashes on the seat well he obviously probably died of who knows what my guess was always carbon monoxide because of of, of what right, of yeah. what happens and then you have um we never they talk about um, briefly, which it's only briefly in the book, too, about what happens to Roland D. LeBay's wife and daughter, which were both also consequence of the car.
1: That I thought that was kind of the way like LeBay was handled by I guess that's his brother. Right? Yeah, which is um, kind of
3: neat because in the book, it's they talk Dennis talks to George LeBay who is brother to Roland D. LeBay. So in the movie, we have George LeBay that's selling the car for his brother, Roland D. LeBay. So we never even meet the owner of the car in the movie. We meet the brother, and he's like, oh, if you think I'm bad, you should meet my brother. You know, and you're already looking at this guy like, crap. And then you have Darnell that sits there and says the token line, yeah, you could, he, he could pour boiling hot water out down his throat
1: and he'd crap out ice cubes.
3: You know, yeah, and it's, it's I, just like, holy smokes. I,
1: I love the line that I think it was, what's his name, Robert Blossom says when, you know, when he's talking to, you know, uh, John Stockwell, I guess, is and so, and he says to him, you know, of course the car came back next week <laughs> and he just says it so offhandedly it's mm-hmm. creepy right oh yeah
0: jackson what did you think yeah i think it's to to speak briefly of the kills i mean they're just fantastic and greg was talking about how you know it's just the movie is just finding ways different ways for christine for a car to kill people um and you know i've got a question here for you guys you know much there's been much much ado about whether the terminator is a slasher or not and I think you, you can see where I'm going with this. Is Christine You're going to drag me back into that, so you know? Because listen, is Christine a slasher? Because think about it. Somebody will do something wrong, will set themselves up either as a bad person or the wrong Christine, or do something to make Christine jealous, and then they die in a different way. Is Christine, a slasher. This is the question I'm opening up to the floor. Mm. This might be a battle fought on on uh, four dimensions, but I'm <laughs> I'm ready for that. I'm not getting into the Terminator thing again. I've said my piece.
1: <laughs> I, I like giving Greg a hard time about it. Pearl seems to take it more personally, so I kind of leave her alone. But um, I, I think you know the three of us discussed Jaws 2 and how Jordan Peele
0: mm-hmm. talked
1: about the shark in Jaws 2. As following at least some slasher tropes, I think you can at least say mm-hmm. that for Christine. What do you think, Greg? Yeah,
3: <laughs> I, I can't go with the Christine's a slasher, but following the tropes, oh, most certainly, especially with Moochie. I mean, he gets off that semi truck and he's just minding his own business, and all of a sudden he hears in the background the 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 classic 50s song and it's escaping my head but it's like oh, 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 oh. yeah and i mean uh he, you know, and he's like of course he recognizes the car and he's like Cunningham and of course it's it's not but it's his car and we don't know that yet which is uh, again another john right. carpenter brilliant move um but yeah and he's pursuing it just like How a stalker would, and that the the stalker is not going to stop until their target is killed. So Moochie, of course, gets cornered and he's like, you know, he's in that loading dock and he's like, oh, now, now I have you. And he pulls out his knife. Like, that's really going to do something against the car. (laughs) But ultimately,
1: Christine does get her get her prize well of course moochie thinks that it's arnie behind the wheel Mm -hmm. and that the car can't go any further he's just going to take on arnie so he pulls out the knife but then that it's one of my favorite kills in all of horror movies when christine just pushes in on him yeah and then you've got that scene where harry dean stanton comes back and says You know, they had to shovel him up like manure (laughs) and I'll I'll keep it clean. But, and Arnie's just cold responses. Well, that's what you do with manure.
3: Yeah. Which is a brilliant exchange between the two.
1: Absolutely. And
3: again, that goes back to just Arnie being stone cold and, and you know, it's, it's done great. And the lighting is, is again, it's a masterclass in, in how to set up these shots. And if you listen to the commentary, of course, you know, they're they're both directors and they're both cutting, cutting that scene up. Like, oh, well, we should have done this and I should have done that. And I don't know what I was thinking and why I have it shot this way. I should have had things reversed and this and that. And it's just like, no, it, it was a happy accident, Carpenter. And you knew what you were doing and it was beautifully shot. And you had two actors that definitely, you know, flex their acting muscles to the nth degree.
1: Oh, absolutely. Jackson, did you have a, what did you think of Moochie's kill and that thing? Did you think it was, cause I've heard some people say they thought it was silly, but I thought it was great.
0: Oh yeah. It's a great moment. Um, and I don't, I don't care about like it's, it annoys me when people are, they'll pick apart that, that part of the movie, but not, you know, the fact that it's in a, a car that's alive um, we're we're all taking a <laughs> leap of logic, uh, a barrier of entry to uh, cast aside our disbelief and enjoy this movie. Um, so so yeah, but uh, absolutely great line from Arnie. Yeah, and something I just realized uh, is Arnie Cunningham, right? Corey Cunningham, oh, everybody's do-do-do-do-do. favorite Corey. <laughs> uh, yeah. I I hadn't put the pieces together yeah. um, until just now. But that's that's a fun little reference. Don't don't um, don't ruin this <laughs> this 1983
1: movie for me, Jackson.
0: I um, think we can we can all agree here that Arnie is a better character than Corey. I don't think that's up for debate, but that is a fun little reference. I at least appreciate that much. Yeah, and it actually fits in the movie. But anyway,
1: um so yeah. but this was I believe the first major movie that John Carpenter had done for a long time without dean kundi but greg you brought out the cinematography i think you're right i think it looks amazing yeah of course i'm gonna look it up see who it was
3: yeah i don't i don't recognize donald morgan um no i didn't recognize his name but, i mean he does have a few notable movies so hmm. uh seven starman under siege 2 1941 but he wasn't the cinematographer for all those. He was mm. camera and electric, which is just, you know, a, right. a, Ass- assistant, it, DP, assistant
1: yeah. DP type stuff. But yeah, good stuff. I thought it's great. I mean, and it's been, we've seen it in other movies. I mean, that, that's a big Easter egg and Strangers Pray at Night is the Christine on fire going down the oh. road. Then you got the truck on fire and Strangers Pray at Night. Uh, yeah. Jackson, what did you think of the cinematography?
0: I think it looks great, and I didn't know it wasn't Dean Kundy until now, because it it still has that kind of slick steady cam look to it, doesn't it? it I mean it's mm-hmm. definitely you can you can tell that uh that Donald Morgan was definitely trying to emulate that style, um, and I don't know how much of that is just because it was the eighties and everybody was using the same kind of cameras and and John Carpenter liked things a certain type of way. Um, but, but yeah, he's, he's emulating that style really well. And it, it goes along right along with that. And, uh, did he work as a cinematographer on Starman, or was that one that he was like an assistant DP? On? Uh, let me, uh, which one Dean Cundy or? or, uh, uh, Donald Morgan. Uh, he
3: was, he was, he was the
1: cinematographer.
3: For oh, Starman. okay. Oh
0: yeah. That's awesome. So I think this looks better than
1: Starman, And I, I honestly, because hmm. this was the year of Stephen King, yeah. this was the first year, that Stephen King had multiple adaptations Mm -hmm. come out. He had Christine Cujo and the dead zone. And I love all three of those movies, but I would argue this is shot better than the other two.
0: I've got a soft spot in my heart for the dead zone and that kind of look to it. I love that uh, Canadian early eighties look where everything's kind of sterile. You're a big Cronenberg (laughs) fan. (laughs) I am. And by the way, the the last episode, my last update video before my big Cronenberg ranking came out today on the Patreon, but uh, but yeah, the, I love the way the dead zone looks. But yeah, and I'm glad that uh, that John Carpenter was always happy with the way Christine turned out, and had uh, Donald Morgan back for Starman because yeah, this movie looks great. And just I love the lens flares whenever Christine's lights come yeah. on, and you see those lens flares refracting across the the screen. It's just just fantastic stuff. So they they knew how to shoot that car to make it look uh, intimidating. Um, and that's, you know, that might sound easy with such a cool looking car, you know, whatever, backlight it, but it's, it's hard. It is really hard. I know recently I did, um, I was on a shoot where we used my Honda CRV and it's hard to make a Honda CRV look, look (laughs) cool. Let's just say that, um, it's a good car. Uh, it'll get you where you you need to go. It'll take you on many, many road trips, but this is not one that, uh, you're going to be scared of being chased down in, but Anyways, they did a great job. Uh, Donald Morgan did a great job. It looks great. Um, but I, I honestly have to to give some credit to John Carpenter because obviously he kept that cohesive vision in between projects. Yeah.
3: And 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 one interesting thing about that combination is um, when you, if you ever watch the movie again, which I will, but when you watch Christine again, oh. the opening when it takes place back in 1957 that is the use of a different film stock than the rest of the movie. Mm. And they did that as a, Mm. as a, uh, you know, so that it would give it a more softer look. And so, you know, that's, that's a, that's an awesome thing when you hear a director point those little things out, because like for yourself, Jackson, when it's time to start learning the difference between Fujifilm and Kodiak and, and Kodak, it, it, there's a big difference and that was sh- all shot in in Fuji so they have a softer film it's kind of really interesting yeah and I know you'll probably never have to use film but it's still one of those things where you start to play with lighting and all that to achieve what your goal is so it's definitely some some guys that knew what they were doing and that's the big difference between Dean Kundi and somebody else with with Carpenter is you can usually tell or just Carpenter yeah. and Koundy by themselves.
0: I love that stor- That sort of meta stuff, where uh, to give a scene a different kind of feeling, they'll use a different uh, thing of a uh, different type of equipment. I know that uh, this might sound like a leap, but the, that uh, Star Wars, Star Wars Episode Seven, I know, was shot on the same film equipment as uh, as Episode Four was, as a New Hope, to try to tie it back to that original film but and also david lynch i know has shot several things on different uh mediums for different kind of feels to it he shot uh, a short on like 1920s equipment uh and he shot obviously he shot inland empire on all digital stuff like low quality digital digital stuff so i love that kind of thing where uh you know the the feeling of your story so you change the equipment accordingly i'm i'm and this Day and age, I'm I'm kind of tired of people. They'll just throw a, an input LUT on their footage, uh, or or throw an overlay that they found on YouTube to get a certain time feeling time period to it. Um, but if you have the the capability to to switch, um, I think that's that's really cool. And I did notice that 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 intro sequence does look different and softer. Uh, it's just just a really nice touch that brings us into the story. Mm-hmm. I I got to go back to that. I didn't I I. I'm ashamed to say, as a
1: former director, Greg, I didn't notice it, but I always got caught up and bad to the bone. Well, so, well, um, me too. But... <laughs>
3: but, you know, and the
1: car. I mean, again, I I, I can't car. hide
3: behind my love for the car. I wish I knew more about them. Um, you know, here's the here's the sad reality: when you're a poor kid and you don't have any money, and I got an invitation to go look at some cars at an old airport hangar, and I you can't make this stuff up. But I get there, my friend is like, hey, you know, these are all going to be going up for sale. So if there's anything that you want or like, you know, we can set it aside and we can talk to the the owner about it. Sure enough, what does he have in there? He has a 1957, uh, they were called Savoy's, S-A-V-O-Y, and it oh. looks just like Christine, except this, was, this oh. was a blue and all the tires were flat on it and everything. And of course... Um, there was other automobiles of interest and you go back and you're talking with this guy and he starts throwing some numbers at you. And it's like, would you take this? And you know, he's being very nice to us and he's like, no. And I'm like, I don't have any more money and I, you know, and, and my yeah. next paycheck isn't going to cover the difference. And actually my next six, You're paychecks, like, I, I
1: probably, I probably need to stay married and feed my children. <laughs> well, not, right? well, yeah, yeah, yeah now, yeah. but I'm talking like 25 yeah. years ago. Well, feed yourself then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Isn't it amazing how accustomed we grow to, to shelter and food? Yep. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I don't blame you. I've never been a big car guy. I was. Uh, when I moved out to LA, I had this photo of a Lamborghini Countach. Mm-hmm. And I thought, if I ever make it as a director, I'm going to buy a Lamborghini. And then a, a buddy of my brother's had a, this. it was a Ferrari. And I got in it and... um We were driving to a party. He said, Hey, you want to ride with me? And I'd never ridden in a Ferrari before. I was like, sure. And so I jump in the passenger seat and we go over Laurel Canyon. I'm not kidding you. You could feel every pebble like it was flying up your butt. (laughs) Cause it's so low Mm -hmm. to the ground and it's so sensitive. And I'm just like, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like like comfort. I don't like feeling every rock on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, So that kind of cured me of being a car guy, but it would be cool to have a Christine. Let's talk about the final battle where you've got Christine going up, you know, against some heavy machinery again, as you pointed out, Greg and Darnell's garage, which I'm sure was a, a budget thing, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Greg, what did you think of that final
3: battle? I think it was effective and it was another one that's kind of true to the book. Um, except instead of a bulldozer, well, oh, not a bulldozer. Uh, well, I guess it kind of was a bulldozer, wasn't it? Um, it,
1: if memory serves, it's been about 10 years it's since okay. I read the book. So
3: yeah, it's a, it's actually a large, uh, like a water carrier and they use it for, uh, pumping poop out. And, um, I'm trying to think what the name of the vehicle was, uh, Petunia. And it was a large pink truck mm. and, you know, and it, it you know they still but the battle still unfolds the same way lee and dennis against christine and arnie um right and which we don't know it's arnie at the time right and, and we don't and um but the car wants to keep coming back alive but of course they ultimately do end up crushing it to the point of of non-existent and then you know, put or it in do they. <laughs> or do they, which yeah. I think was where they should <laughs> pick up, you know, it, it would be real easy. Hint hint Jackson. Um, somebody, some youngster <laughs> finds uh the the cube of Christine and accidentally gets a piece from the car and then goes and starts rebuilding a car. Maybe not well, necessarily Christine. What?
1: Brian but Fuller, the man behind Hannibal, I know and Camp Crystal Lake, the upcoming Camp Crystal Lake, is redoing I'm Christine. Hopeful. So I, I like him, so we'll see what happens. But Jackson, what did you think of the final battle, buddy?
0: Well, I think it's awesome. and And first of all, Greg, I love your pitch. I think it would be a great idea with just, yeah, just a piece of Christine. Like say they just they just installed the radio from Christine, and that mm-hmm. possesses the whole car, you know that would be really funny. You see Christine and like a Toyota echo or something. And and it uh, it could
3: totally be done because let's just use, for instance, just do the old, like Friday the 13th, Jason goes to, Hey, Hey, you know, Hades, um, (laughs) where you see the, the, the person walking and then in the mirror, you see Jason. So with the car, it could be your Toyota Corolla, but then all of a sudden when it passes, like in front of a shop, there you see a 1958 red and white Fury. So, just as yeah. long as it's not like
1: a Prius. Um... Yeah, no Prius. But... <laughs> but you know,
3: I have, I have, I have my own suggestions. If, 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 had, you know, I'd still, you know, stick with the Chrysler product, and I'd probably go with the 300, um, only because it's, it's a, uh, a popular car, um, popular enough, but it's not declared a muscle car, but it was just something that just would stand out awesome
0: and imagine imagine the the new car uh it, it set on fire much the same way and the fire kind of burns away the paint and revealed underneath is somehow christine christine yeah. has come back to her former glory that would be awesome. So we're, we can have gears turning on this all night. That, yeah. But uh, to talk to talk about the t- the title fight there at the end, mm-hmm. uh, three years before Aliens, I was getting Aliens vibes from this, this oh. final fight between Christine and, oh. and the big machine. Uh, did either of you get that at all? Just just kind of a little hint of of the mech versus buddy. No. the Queen Alien. Uh, well, I, I don't know. I wonder now, how much of as, that now, as you
3: mentioned it. Yeah, kind of because I mean, it 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 shot for shot, bang for bang. I mean, it's yeah, it's a a big giant yellow machine against a a very uh, large uh, nemesis.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, and it's not above James Cameron from stealing no. because he can go each part. <laughs> so <Yeah>. anyway, <laughs> are you are you in the camp of people that believe that he stole Terminator from this this lady? Do you, do you know anything about that where he's tried to sue him? Like, I wouldn't put times? it past him after what I know about him. But anyway, I um, <laughs> I think that might be your bias of you showing. I, I can, can I quote you in saying this is a, a, a quote from one of our Patreon bonus podcasts, quote, James Cameron can eat a fart, quote, unquote. Yes, I just said it again. <laughs> yes,
1: he can and he should. He's he's a a guy who goes to his hometown in Canada and everybody's gathering around thinking local boy made good and here he is and he gets up and he lectures them for an hour on their environmental practices and said you need to get rid of fracking and all kind of stuff and whatever you think of that that's that's fine that's not my point but then when somebody gets up and raises their hand and goes well but sir that's the only industry we have here what are we supposed to do for jobs and cameron's response is i don't know (laughs) it's like oh you really thought this through don't you you're full of compassion aren't you james Mm. yeah get back on your private plane go back to hollywood and eat a fart um (laughs) but you know i i love the i assume yeah i i love the final battle we've only got a few minutes left here so what other notes do you guys have, Greg? You go. What, what other what other notes do you have? On uh, just
3: the the big notes is just the differences between the book and the and the movie. Just to list a few, the book it, it's de- it's actually dedicated to um, George Romero and his son. Mm. Uh, it takes it makes pa-
1: sense that was because it was set in Pittsburgh. Yeah, right? It takes, the book? Yeah, yeah, it takes
3: place in Pittsburgh and the outlying areas. You know, which would have been neat to see in the movie, but then when you get John John Carpenter. You know where it's gonna be set. Southern sure. California. Any right. any you and he went for the any town USA look, where it could right. be anywhere in the USA. Right. Um and then aside from from those subtle little things, I mean there's just I, I like the condensation of the characters, which was fine. Um, it would have been neat to see Christine in the snow, but without the snow, you know, with the absence of the snow, we get the fire. So you you know, so there was a cool switch there. Sure. Um but yeah, and that's how Buddy dies—is in the snow in a metro in a in like a natural. Yeah, park. in the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then you know, you, as as you mentioned, let's just hit it—the last major point, which is the music, which is John oh, yeah. John Carpenter at his as uh, again. You you just feel it, you hear it, the menacing music, the perfect moments of the synth, and uh, I get goosebumps thinking about it. I listen to it, and it's just. I know exactly what part of the movie it is and it's just neat to hear.
1: Absolutely. So Jackson, what about you?
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you, Greg. Uh, I love the, 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 the whole score and the theme in particular, you can add that to any driving playlist, I think, and it'll just, just go right along with it. It is dangerous though, right? You don't want (laughs) to, you want to use it sparingly. Otherwise you're going to be getting a ticket every week, but uh, yeah, it's, it's an awesome score. I think one of my biggest bucket list items is definitely seeing him perform it live oh. uh, with his band because that oh, is just too. watching those videos. are just, inc- I mean, it's just incredible. I love him casually just nodding along on stage as he totally blows everyone <laughs> in, the mo- in the audience's minds with clips uh, from the
1: movies playing in the background.
0: Yes. Which I love. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would love to see that, but um, yeah, it's, and he's still turning out great work. I mean, it's, it's mostly, you know, it's, it was just him for a long time. Now he's working with uh, his his godson, uh, Daniel yeah. Davies. Uh, it was Ray Davies from the Kinks, son. I right. think, and um, his son Cody,
1: and, and yeah,
0: yeah, and and Cody Carpenter just turning out great stuff. I mean, you know, thank whatever you will of the new Halloween trilogy. But I think we can all agree that there's some great music there uh, is. in all three of those. I movies will not disagree with that. That's the only part I liked about Halloween. In so. <laughs> Before and we run case. out of
1: well, a couple of them. We run out of time on ZenCaster, all right, Jackson, what do you rate Christine? I'm anxious to know.
0: Uh, I know that Carpenter and King are kind of met on this movie. It's it's easy to see why compared to the rest of their body of work, but I like this movie I a lot. I don't understand
1: it's, that because i I've heard Carpenter interviewed so many times where he's like he went into a depression after the thing. Yeah. Um. He got fired from Firestarter, which I think was probably a plus, Mm -mm. given the screenplay we got from the '84 film. Yeah. Um. I. You know, I thought I think this is a good movie. It did fairly well. It got I think it's got seventy percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which for a a possessed car movie from 1983 is pretty good. Yeah. I don't understand why he's so down on it. I really don't.
0: Yeah, I think it's probably, you know, and I've heard him go back on it. He says it's not his worst movie, at least. So at yeah, least I've he at heard least him like basically that.
1: just be kind of like you said, it's kind of meh
0: yeah so you know i I mean i kind of understand that maybe it wasn't the passion projects that he that he wanted to work on but i still think he can be proud of this one and uh and proud of his work here and and honestly bringing uh, one of the 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 better stephen king adaptations i think there ever were i mean i it's, agree It's exhilarating it's slick it's moody the, the whole thing's just got a great attitude to it and listen there's there's stuff like The Shining and Shawshank that are like 10 out of 10 untouchable transcendent masterpieces. Then below that are like the great near perfect films like Stand By Me, Green Mile, uh, Carrie, Misery. Then there are the really good ones the like The Zone, Dolores Claiborne, for, the, Mist, the Mist, It Chapter that's One. <laughs> and I think, yeah. And I think that's where Gerald's Christine kind of resides. Yeah. Gerald's Game is fantastic. It's just yeah, these 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 great adaptations of and, and I love Stephen King, but sometimes the adaptations are even better than uh than the book. And I haven't read Christine, obviously. Uh, but that's the way I feel about The Shining, and that might be the way I feel about this from the excerpts I've read. I just I agree with you guys. I think the simplification and the slickness of uh Bill Phillips' script and, and Carpenter's direction just really makes this a classic. So um, I might not be as high on this as a lot of people. I've gone down on it a little bit just because, uh, just because I always on break my heart at
1: this point. You always, <laughs> I know, my heart and you're not gonna, point. you're
0: not gonna. I don't think you'll be too disappointed with a seven out of ten uh, for oh. Christine. Uh, it's still, it's still, I would say, uh, up there as far as Stephen King adaptations, up there as far as John Carpenter movies go. Um, but it it is just a simple movie that I, that I appreciate and I don't think it needs to be any more than that.
1: Oh, all right. Well, I was hoping for a little bit higher,
3: but Greg, what about you? Um, yeah, it's probably going to be biased for me, but yeah, I'm right at that 10. I, I can't get tired oh, wow. of this movie. Um, it's, 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 I can watch it anytime. It's gorgeous to watch. It's gorgeous yes. to listen to. Yes. Um, you know, this could play in the vehicle as I'm driving and I don't even need to watch it because I know exactly what's happening and I can see it behind my eye and it would entertain me for that 90 minutes. Um, As said, it it was condensed from the book. And I think in every possible manner it could for a Stephen King book, they utilize the towns perfectly. And yes, Bill Phillips, had a connection with um he had a connection with steve stephen king S- mm. stephen king gave him the manuscript to christine mm. it wasn't even published yet
1: right i remember and, hearing that right? yeah
3: and so bill phillips knew that john carpenter was down on his luck from the thing bummed like you said in in mm. in kind of a de- depression so he said no this is, you know, since you didn't get Firestarter, this is the way to go. Read, read what I have, and everything got green lit instant, instantly, and they went right into production as soon as they possibly could. So the book was wow. released in the same year as the movie, which was very rare for any kind of book movie combo. <laughs> but, a hey, yeah, I mean, I I don't have any any disagreements. I mean, I just. For me, I I grew up watching the movie, and for I just have another like level of attachment. Yes, I'm a car guy. I wish I could work on more cars. I wish I could understand cars better because they're advancing at a much oh, greater rate like than what I can understand. But
1: beginning in like the late nineties, early two thousands, because I used to help buddies work on cars. I had a my best friend in high school had a Monte Carlo when I was fifteen, he was sixteen. We worked on that thing all the time. But now you look under hood and it's like Star Trek under there. Yep.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs>
1: yep. I, I can't figure it out, so I'm with you, Greg, and uh, I am just behind you. Um, I'm at a 9 out of 10.
3: Which is, um, you know, which is still good.
1: Yeah, I I own it. I would encourage everyone to buy it. I Like I said, I think it's in, in you know, I used to get weird looks in Hollywood um, when people would ask me, well, who are your favorite directors? Today, they would ask, you know, who's your Mount Rushmore? And I would say Hitchcock, David Lean, John Ford, and John Carpenter. And when I got to John Carpenter, it was as if um, I had farted at the dinner dinner table. (laughs) (laughs) Because this was 88, 89, you know, and so they're looking like, what? John Carpenter? I was like, hey, nobody had a run like Carpenter. Go back to what you said, you know, Greg, and you, Jackson, you said it too. I, I mean... From not 74, Jackson, but from 76. <laughs> yes. Through, Dark through 84. Incredible. He had a run like almost no other director. I mean, Hitchcock had, you know, speed bumps in between movies. You know, if you go back and, and look at some of the stuff that he shot in the 50s, and or you look at some of the stuff from the 60s, like Torn Curtain and so forth, which I don't think are that great. Um, but, man, Carpenter... Pulling off Assault on Precinct 13, you know, even a good TV movie, Someone's Watching Me, and he wrote Eyes of Laura Mars, and then Halloween... Uh, I've never seen the Elvis movie he did for TV. I, I will at some point, which is where he connects. I've
0: seen clips. I watched clips in preparation for watching the Baz Luhrmann one. And I got to oh. say, I think I prefer that one from the, from what I've seen. Really? It looks, it it looks good. Yeah. I've seen like 10 minutes of, of okay. the Kurt Russell Elvis. Well, and it but looks then good. he went
1: from that to The Fog, Escape from New York, mm-hmm. The Thing, and Christine and Starman. And I'm like, that's a heck of a run. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know. And so the guy had obvious talent, and I think at some point he's basically admitted in interviews that he had just enough money that after he got over, kind of over his depression, over The Thing, I think if you still, I've had people tell me that, because I've never met the man, but I've had people who have, and they tell me they walk up to him and say, The Thing is my favorite movie ever. It's a classic. And He goes, his standard response is, a lot of good that does me now. Yeah. Yeah. He's still sore over it. And and so he kind of stumbled there for a while. And I think he kind of phoned it in um, for a while after there. But I love Christine. I, I I think it's underrated. I've loved it ever since I first saw it. So uh, I can't recommend
0: it enough. Jackson, you, you need to go up on it. It's not a 7. Out. <laughs> I'm still a buy. And I used to be a 9. I'm just a 7 now. I'm, st- I'm still a buy. Wow. I do own it. Um, I love, I love Christine and yet yeah, to speak, you know, briefly before we wrap up on, on John Carpenter, that's the American dream though, isn't it? You you get residuals, oh, yeah. you sell out enough that mm-hmm. you can just play video games, go to Lakers games, uh, hey, look, you know, it's, it's not
1: what I would recommend for people, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that you should spend your seventies chain smoking, drinking beer and playing video games and he'll probably you know, live
0: longer than all of us.
1: Yeah. Isn't that weird? He's never had a health problem, um, yeah. but you know, I've, I've had shingles, the flu of food poisoning and everything in the last year. And there's John Carpenter <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> who's been smoking two packs of cigarettes a day for 50 years. It and he's mummifies like, ah, you. I
0: think that's, I think that's what it is. It mummifies you. I think so. <laughs> And, um,
1: but I, no, I love Christine. Um, I love John Carpenter and, uh, yeah, he did get to the point and I saw an interview in like the two thousands after ghost of Mars bombed where, you know, then Merrimax was coming around saying we want to license Halloween and we, so he gets paid because he created the characters and we want to have you as an executive producer on this, on the remake of the fog. And, and he said he would just come to set, read a newspaper and you know, and he get paid for it, and and he seems to be happy with it. So you know, yeah. God bless him and keep him. But you know, like I said, I would I wouldn't recommend that as a retirement plan for people. But whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so he says he still wants to direct, and he still wants to do a western at some point. So because that's yeah, his favorite awesome. genre is it's western, sci fi, and horror is three favorite genres. So hopefully he'll get I know I saw it on pre 13 and Vampires are kind of westerns but he really wants to do a pure western so we'll see if that ever ever happens but uh, Greg thanks for being on again buddy you oh. you you are always you always bring it whether it's jaws or duel or whatever we have you always have it and you just do such an amazing job and I always look forward to uh you calling into LOTC when I'm, <laughs> when I'm walking my wife's demon possessed puppies at six o'clock in the morning yeah. on every other Tuesday. And I'm listening to LOTC. I can't wait for you to hear, hear you to call in. So oh,
3: that means um, a lot on honestly, oh. that it really means a lot. Cause I joke around with some of the other listeners and I'll say, I don't know, maybe, I, maybe it'll be a bye week this time. Maybe I won't call. And they'll usually send back a message saying, if you don't call, <laughs> I'm going to get a petition and we're going to get you to call. And then, so it's, it's always heartwarming to
1: hear. Well, we things. did. You you and I told, um, the new horror movie podcast is coming out here in the next 10 days. The mm. first new episode with Jay of the dead and, uh, Gilman, Joel and Dave Becker, myself, Jackson, um, some of the new uh, guest hosts who are on Victor Rodriguez and, and a couple others. And, And uh, we were talking near the end. We were talking to Dave Becker about LOTC. We said, and I think it was on there. I told told Dave, I said, you know, it's not an LOTC episode without Greg Bench and without the unknown (laughs) caller. You got to have that one-two punch, or it doesn't count
3: yeah yeah the unknown caller's bringing in some songs now so it's like
1: oh buddy oh he's jealous yeah. of you Greg that's you got right. outdoing, right. <laughs> outdo buddy you beat him to the punch you were there long before he was um where can they find you online Greg oh uh, yeah I mean as
3: you mentioned uh, LOTC but I'm everywhere I mean I try to be as as vocal as I can with certain things and obviously time is always a constraint for everybody, but mm-hmm. I'm on Twitter. It's QUA419. And, you know, then my name on Facebook and probably Instagram and, and, and any, any place that you can find me. Obviously these guys are good at linking things and just find me there and send a message. I'm always willing to talk to anybody and everybody about movies and now supposedly cars. Um, but again, my knowledge is, is, fairly limited i can't deny it but i, I try I, hey look I can, so. I
1: can i can i can look i can help you with a carburetor from the 1970s yeah. and 80s but anything past that i'm at a loss yeah. um, you know i can't i can't help you i can, you know i can help you you know change your windshield wipers <laughs>
3: every every year I, that goes by more and more keeps
1: slipping out of my head and the cars keep advancing oh, more and more so exactly me too and then, Jackson, where can they find you, buddy?
0: Well, you can find me uh, on Twitter at Kane underscore Hero twelve. That's K A I N E underscore Hero twelve. Uh, you can find all of my links from there. And I just want to say, go and check out our Silver Bullet episode. Uh, we've done. We've done lots of. Oh, we did. Yeah. Uh, we did duel. We did obviously Jaws was and the Jaws sequels. And the Jaws, Jaws was one of our yeah. first. Was one of our first guests back when we were recording under a sheet in your living room, Dad. <laughs> uh, yeah, He was one of our first guests, so he's been with us since the beginning. So definitely go check out Greg wherever. Trying he is. to set
1: up soundproof, like mm-hmm. all this kind of stuff yes. in our living room, and yeah,
0: we were we yeah. were still figuring it out. We're still figuring it out. We don't know. Yes, we're recording we every Zencaster right now, um, but. Yeah. So just, uh, go, go, uh, check out Greg, wherever he is. Uh, he's always grilling out. So go check that out. If you're a foodie, man, that's I'm so jealous. I can smell that. Whenever I see you post (laughs) on the timeline, I I can smell that. uh,
1: I, I am telling you, Greg, once I finish my PhD program, if you get a random knock on the door, you know when you announce that you're getting ready to smoke something or cook something don't be surprised if i'm right there
2: (laughs) honestly (laughs) honestly
3: you'd be anybody would be welcome and definitely matt jackson if you ever trek up to this portion of ohio oh yeah you give me a few hours notice and i can whip up probably something um for you to snack on until the main course is done and Greg, I
1: am a proud military. <laughs> well so. as, apparently as you could tell, so am I, yes, I can't behind I, it. Yeah. If you wanna man, you wanna oh my gosh, but if you want your mouth to water, just just go over to Greg's Facebook or yeah. Twitter and see what he's cooking. Uh, and I, smell what the bench has got cooking, <laughs> and um. and I've been pra- and I've been
3: practicing, which is what people laugh at. Oh, you have to practice! And I said. Well, I just don't want to lose those skills. So right now, my neighbors are benefiting from me cooking nine pounds of oh, of, of brisket, and I I love meat, and I could eat probably all nine pounds, but I I like to see the smiles on other people's faces, and oh. and that's that's why I continue to cook it is for other people you are so. you are a
1: good man sir <laughs> you have great taste in music movies i'm and, trying and food so <laughs> um and you're welcome back anytime. so ho- ho-
3: hopefully i gave christine good good uh man i tried i tried to bring everything uh and if jackson hasn't hasn't shared with you matt there is a a surprise for you so yes oh
0: he hinted at something that you had sent (laughs) something
3: in i haven't heard it yet but and 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 you don't have to play that now but yep
0: right i will definitely have to edit that in because i got an email today uh, from Mr. Greg Bench and I had no idea what to expect all it said was recording for Christine I clicked on it and my mind was blown so I'm definitely going to have to to uh, put that in the end of the episode. Yep.
1: I was going to uh, say I because... think that needs to be our crescendo
0: I think that <laughs> yes. needs to be how we go yes. out it, it, so...
1: it was a treat for you Matt so you're
0: welcome.
1: Oh <laughs> thank you buddy you're welcome. I love it when you do it and so um, just be careful when you're driving um <laughs> But, uh, so, and, and I'm not worried about you. As I tell my wife all the time, my, my wife is traveling right now. And I tell her all the time, be careful. And she's like, you don't think I'm a good driver? I said, I'm not worried about you. It's the other drivers I'm worried about. Um, <laughs> I don't want you to be in the middle of like a Tom Jones song yeah. and get t bone there, buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you can find me Pastor Matt R at Letterboxd and Pastor Matt R on Twitter. Horror Movie Podcast is coming back soon. Uh, We actually have um, one and a half episodes recorded. (laughs) Um, So, you know, and uh, our editor is um, taking finals right now. He's a graduate student. So those stuff will be up here in the next coming weeks. And of course, you can always go over to Patreon and look up Father and Son Watch where all, all the money goes to Jackson to help him through film school. You're Jackson, you're, film, you're finishing up your
0: sophomore year, right? That's right. And I'm, I'm getting ready to start the real, the real grind. I actually start full film school next year. Yep. I got my cohorts back. I, got, I know what my class schedule is going to be. And just to give you an idea of what I'm going to be dealing with next semester, at 8 a.m. every Monday, I've got a two-hour and 10-minute class called Cinema Legal Environment. So that'll be fun uh so uh That's got just that to cruel, look unusual to.
1: punishment,
0: yes, <laughs> dad. I know that you 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 went through all of law school, you wouldn't wish that on anyone no i'm i I'm getting a little taste of that at eight a m uh every Monday, so yeah, so wish me luck guys um but it's it's gonna be a grand adventure. I'm looking forward to it awesome, and so
1: you guys can check that out, and of course, father and son watch horror. Uh, movies.com and at father son horror on twitter so
0: jackson with that being said say goodbye to the good people goodbye and uh and hey i just i just read a tagline for the movie we talked about today okay this is this is so corny and we had the creative wheels turning earlier so i had to i had to to elaborate on, on that i think i came up with a good tagline for christine um the one that it is right now is something about you know Christine and 10,000 10, tons of fury or whatever but uh, th- keep in mind this would have been the tagline 1983 here we go <clears throat> 30,000 years ago we domesticated man's best friend 60 years ago Chrysler unleashed man's best girl <laughs> what
2: That's do you think bad. how's that
0: it's not quite at the mutilator but it's good <laughs> <laughs> okay so Greg when we, when we finally do our Christine 2 sequel that'll be the tagline that'll work alright guys well thanks for
1: listening thanks always to the great Greg Bench and remember the family that watches horror together slays together see you next time
0: once again I want to thank our Patreon supporters Trey Whetstone Stefan Sitter Amy Swan Ryan Bratton Greg and Pearl Morgan Nick Stumpf Kevin Corpy Kate Lamp Joel Robertson Ian West Ian Urza Greg Russell Greg Bench Dave Becker, Dan George, Carl Davis, Brian Scott, Billy D, Ashley Pinkard, and Ann Dred. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. You're the best. Like I've said before, you make this podcast possible.
2: Ba da na na. Ba da na na na. da On the day I was born, the nurses all gathered round. They gazed in wide wonder at the joy they found. The head nurse spoke up, said leave this one alone. She could tell right away that I was bad to the bone. Bad to the bone. Bad to the bone. Bad Bad. to the bone. I broke a thousand hearts before I met you. I'll break a thousand more, baby, before I am through. I want to be yours, pretty baby, yours and yours alone. I'm here to tell you, honey, that I'm bad to the bone. Bad to the bone. Bad, 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 bad to the bone. I'll make a rich woman beg, and I'll make a good woman steal. I'll make an old woman blush, and I'll make a young girl squeal. I want to be yours, pretty baby, yours and yours alone. I'm here to tell you, honey, that I'm bad to the bone. Bad, 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 bad to the bone. Now, when I walk the streets, kings and queens step aside. Every woman I meet, they all stay satisfied. I want to tell you, pretty baby, what I see, I make my own. And I'm here to tell you, honey, that I'm bad to the bone. Bad to the bone, ba 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 bad, bad, bad. Woo, bad to the bone. Yeah, there we go. George Thorogood, bad to the bone. All right, that was uh it was fun. Later.